Hey, thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope that you'll be able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope that this message will be an inspiration to you and that you'll find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. The uh, third pastor that came to this church, Pastor David Arnold, uh, he had been an evangelist. He had traveled overseas to India, been exposed to missions, and had, most important of all, I think, sat and under Carl Strader, Pastor Carl Strader, in Lakeland, Florida, a great church. It was then First Assembly, and this church had great missionaries come. Uh, they loved, he did, he loved uh, reaching the world. He loved having missionaries. When I went to Bible college, I went there too. Uh, it was the largest church in town, and uh, I fell in love with his ministry and uh, the people of that church. But I heard some great missionaries as a Bible college student. Uh, years later, uh, Harold Agnes Smith, uh, who had served in Germany for many years. I heard them in Lakeland years ago. I heard they were moving to the Orlando area. I got in touch with them. I said, I'd love to have you visit our church. I found out they were going to be living right next to Calvary. I was a little concerned there, but uh, eventually they came on over, stayed with us for years, and helped us oversee the missions ministry of this church. Well, uh, thank God you're in a church that loves missions, loves missionaries, uh, loves those people that go. All of us are really missionaries after all. We're to go into Orlando. They're going somewhere else. So I pray today that your heart would realize, dear Lord, you want to use me and to go, uh, on, not only on missions trips, but to our neighbors, to those we can share the good news with. And then we want to help those who are going somewhere where we cannot go. Well, my, um, my encounter with missions was first at that church. And then uh, I came here as youth pastor. A year or so later, Alice and I got married. And literally, the pastor came to me and said, hey, listen, I want you to head up the trip that we're going to be taking to help build a church in Puerto Rico. This was about two weeks after we got married. Who leaves for two weeks after you've been married? Only two weeks. Uh, Alice said now she wouldn't do it. But anyway, uh, it was a great trip, and God helped us. We had men and women that went down to the, the island, and uh, there a hurricane, believe it or not, had blown through, blew out the hotel. So we had to stay in the pastor's house, cramped up. I stayed in the basement. I humbled myself. And uh, no, I think that's just where they assigned me. Somebody did. But that night, the men were so discouraged because it, uh, the storm had come through. It looked like we weren't going to be able to do very much at all. And they wanted to go back home, some of them. They're like, why don't we just go back home? And I'm like, we cannot go back home. 
And so I said, we need to pray. We went into a different room, started praying, and God gave a word. And the word has penetrated my heart ever since. It is this, with men, it may be impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And literally, that word lifted our spirits. We got up out of that room. Well, we're going to do whatever we can. Now, we didn't get very much done because of what had happened. But out of that, uh, I'd forgotten this, but out of that, the pastor's wife had throat cancer, I believe it was, and she couldn't talk hardly at all. We brought her to Orlando sometime later. And she went to UCF. They fitted her because they had one of those things that you put to your throat, a trachea, and uh, then your voice box area, and you could speak, but it would sound mechanical. And she learned how to do it. She went back. She, years later, I heard she had become an evangelist. She had traveled Central South America. Come here, the lady who cannot talk, preach the word of God. And so God used that trip in ways that we did not understand at the time. You know, sometimes in life, it looks like we hit a dead end, but it's not a dead end at all. Uh, the first missions banquet this church had under the former pastor, nobody showed up. That meant they were not interested, and they weren't, but he did not give up. So when you face something that looks like a dead end, do not give up. Say amen, amen, amen. So over the last 35 years, God has helped us as a church give up Literally somewhere probably between 30 and upwards of $40 million to missions uh, to reach the lost around the world at home and abroad. This year, the giving should go over $2 million, and uh, we are rejoicing in that. We have built colleges, uh, first of all, in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, built a beautiful Bible college there for people to be discipled. We built churches uh, physically upwards to around 100 churches and then paid for, I don't know how many more. And then uh, camps. Let me just tell you something. Uh, the truth of the matter is, and Pastor Marcos and I, it hit us both this morning. Uh, Pastor Matt was uh, earlier talking about uh, giving and God measuring it back to you. Well, just think about this for a moment. We have built all these churches overseas. The former pastor said, when we were building the very first church on Goldenrod, he said, if we build God churches, his churches overseas, he will help us build this church. And when I heard that, it struck me so much years ago. And now this morning it hit us. We have built a hundred plus churches overseas. Look what God has done here. Look what he's done. He has measured it back to us. Boy, 
God is faithful. He does abundantly above and beyond all we could ask or think. Amen. Well, I don't know how God did this, to be honest with you. Literally. I've looked back, and I'm not going to tell you what all this costs, but millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. And there have been many times I've sat and I've thought, I don't know how it all happened. And uh, literally, I believe this, though. I believe it had something to do with what we were doing to reach the lost around the world. I think they were totally connected. In Matthew chapter 28, one of the last great commands of Christ, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go, go. The word that he spoke was go. Go, it's an action word, go. It requires a response, go. And so you and I, though you and I may not be able to go there somewhere else, except on a missions trip, uh, we can help others go there, and we are going here, amen? So you and I are called for a response. And since we cannot go, it's our duty to give to help those that are going. And what a privilege it is. Boy, one of the reasons why I give to mission, why Alice and I give, I've said many times, I love Orlando. I know it gets hot here, uh, but I love Orlando. I hate cold. I don't operate well in cold weather. It was cold this morning. I hope it's warmed up outside. I haven't been outside since early this morning, but I love Orlando, and I'm at times been concerned. If I don't give to missions uh, a lot, that God's liable to send me to Siberia. <sighs> And I'm just like, Lord, I'll do whatever you want to do. God, you want us to give what? Let's do it, God. I do not want to go to Siberia, nowhere north of Georgia. I'm telling you right now, it's too cold up there. Well, some of you are going to go, though. Maybe for short periods of time, missions trip. Maybe uh, for four years, maybe you'll become a full-time missionary. I don't know, but I know this. God's hand will be with you, and he will supply your every need. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, and he said to them, go into all the world. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel, the good news to every creature. That's why next weekend, here's what's happening. At the end of that service, when you have the opportunity to give, what you are doing is you are giving those nearly 1,000 missionaries money to help them stay there, to pay their bills. Can you imagine what it would be like as a missionary to go somewhere in the world and all the people that were supposed to send you money failed to do so, and now you're stranded there you don't have enough money to do ministry. You don't have enough money to even pay the bills. 
No, by the grace and help of God, we never want our missionaries to get to that place. And we're not. So we're going to give next weekend what God directs our heart to give. Now listen, maybe you're one of those, and uh, I know you're growing, but maybe you're one of those that doesn't even tithe. This week, you're going to be stirred to give to missions. But if you don't tithe, let's go back to first things first, all right? Let's go back. Let me speak to your heart. If you're not tithing, giving God his tithe, then you start there, all right? You go back and say, I'm going to start tithing. And then I'll... I'll I'll come up with something, even if I have to sell something, to give to missions. But first things first, I am going to tithe. Say amen. All right. But I want to tell you, my appreciation for those of you uh, um, that are going to become missionaries or already are is through the roof. Uh, this is why some of the reasons I'm going to share with you today why we love missions and love missionaries and love to support them. People like Paul Clark. He took his family to Germany many years ago. They've been there ever since. They come back, raise money, and go back to a place they call home. His son is now a missionary to Germany. I've had a relationship with Paul for all these years, 30 plus years, he's probably legally blind, but that doesn't slow him down, doesn't stop him. He is forever thinking, visual, uh, visualizing what God wants to do, dreaming, and he just recently started some brand new church plants in Germany, and I'm like, we're going to send him some money to help start those church plants in Germany where people can be born again and find Christ as Savior. Well, my appreciation wells up for people like this. All of us should, to say the least. Years ago, I found myself on a journey a journey of learning really what mission and missionaries were all about. I thought I knew about, I don't know, eight or so plus years into pastoring. All of a sudden, I got an eye-opening experience. Two of our staff members, eventually even more, but two of our staff members went directly to the mission field. Uh, Pastor Rob Hawks and Rhonda and their kids. Uh, Ashley is now the uh, children's pastor of this church as they were years ago. Um, and so they signed up to be full-time missionaries at Media Ministries in Brussels. Then Damien and Merla and their kids signed up to be missionaries and go to Guatemala. Here's what I saw. I never thought about it before, what these people went through. They had to sell their house. Both of them ended up selling their house. They're kind of now homeless when you don't have a house, you know. And uh, then they sold a lot of their things. They couldn't take everything. They trimmed down what they could uh, send in a container over to Brussels. Then eventually... 
Uh, they raised the money they had to raise by calling pastors and churches. And let me tell you, right now, this church responds just about to every missionary call, or we, our desire is to do so. But there are a lot of ministries out there that don't believe that. They don't take the call from a missionary. They don't return the call. Uh, and these missionaries keep pressing on, keep pressing on. One year since we've been in this building, I had a missionary friend call me. He says, Carl, he was down in Tegucigalpa. They had a church, about 3,000, that we helped build. And uh, this guy, he said to me, Carl, we got to go on television. we got to reach those people that are behind closed doors and bars. We've got to reach them. I said, Bill, I'm going to help. I'm going to call friends. And how much do you need? $25,000. I said, all right. I was pumped. I got on the phone. I called a friend. He said, yeah, yeah, we can help out, son. And uh, he gave something. Then I called a church that had a television ministry. And they said, well, that, that doesn't fit into our vision for missions. I, steam was coming out of my ears. I'm like, doesn't fit into your, your own television. For heaven's sakes, help me. And they wouldn't help me. And so it took me weeks to raise that money. By the end of it, I was about backslidden. I'll tell you the truth. I was so mad at preachers, I could hardly stand myself. And I had to forgive them. And one day I will totally. But anyway, I have forgiven them. But boy, was that hard. And I got a taste of what they go through. It's a wonder they're all saved still. Dealing with ministries and preachers and pastors that won't return phone calls. But I saw something else. I saw them go to the field. And the, Rob and Ron and the kids came back and uh, serving now in missions here. But saw Merla and Damien come back with their four kids in suitcases. Nowhere to go. Thank God his parents lived here in a house about 1,200 square feet. And they all moved in for weeks until he found a house. And I'm watching all this, and I'm in shock. And he has to rent a house. Then she has to furnish it, or they do. And while they're furnishing it, he's getting trips to go to churches to raise money. And they furnish it. They don't have anything in there, I guess. And they furnish it. And then at the end of the year or whenever they raise the money, then... They got to get rid of all of it and par down. Get back in to, with those suitcases, head back to Guatemala, rent a house down there, furnish it. Who does this? They're crazy. I'm telling you. I don't know what I thought. I don't know if I thought the Assemblies of God sent a semi and just rented them a house, had it all ready for them. No. They said, here's your money, go do it, all right? And uh, they don't complain, they just go do it. And I told the board, when they get back, four years from now, we're going to have a house. It's going to be furnished. They're going to walk in, and they're going to sit down. And uh, Damon can tell you that's what happened. Uh, and a family in our church, the Poliax, they bought furniture, and the church was paying for most of it. And furnished that house, 
two-story house. They had four kids. I walked over there to see, or drove over there to see it. I walked through. This thing was incredible, beautiful. I'm like, I want to trade my house with this one. I was like, dear Lord, I didn't know you were going to do this good a job. But it was well worth the effort to serve somebody who's serving God and serving this church. Amen. But that, but that's not the only. Now, let me just go ahead and warn you. I'm going to go over a little bit. All right. So just you, you got some extra sleep. So just keep sitting there. All right. So anyway, they're not the only ones that sacrifice them, their kids. They're not the only one because when they go overseas like they did, they leave grandparents, cousins, brothers, sisters, family. And I got a taste of that a few years ago, Alice and I. Our oldest daughter and son pastoring in Oviedo for many years. Then they got a call to go to Toronto, Canada. Well, that's a foreign missionary there. And uh, position, they went there to pastor a really great church. But that meant they were going to, we told them, you can go, but you got to leave our granddaughters here. And so, um, but it was only, you know, three hours or so, and so it wasn't that bad on a plane. But something happened. They went up there and they cried when they left, but it was kind of exciting going to a new place. But when they came back about three months later for a funeral, the girls, when it came time to leave, Alice couldn't go because we didn't have room in the vehicle. So I was going to drive them to the airport at Sanford. We get in the car. My son-in-law, Kevin, is sitting in the front. I'm driving. My daughter's in the back sitting between the girls. We get in the car, and they realize we had been with those girls for several years. Alice had spent a lot of Thursdays with them. And when we were driving, the one behind me started crying. I started crying. The one on the other side was just did not want to go, did not want to leave and go back. And she started saying to her parents, I don't like y'all. I don't like you. And I started saying, I don't like them either. <laughs> I was just inside. I was just dying. She was literally trying to get out of the car. And as we drove, eventually, all she did was cry, but all three of us cried. I think Danielle, too. Dropped them over the airport, hugged them, cried. And they went in the airport crying. I left crying. And then before I got off the airport grounds, my daughter calls and said, Dad, you won't believe. We went into the airport, and there was a little grandmother-type woman over there, and she saw the girls crying, and she came over and says, Girls, I know what it's like to leave family, too. I'm leaving my grandkids. And began to talk to them and then, can I hug you? And she started hugging them and embracing them. And they just settled down. And it was a God moment for those girls. And when she told me that, I thought, this is an absolute miracle of God. 
a miracle of God. I've always believed in angels. I just didn't know there were grandma angels, all right? Uh, I had no idea that uh, there were grandma angels. And then to think she didn't even fly, she took an airplane wherever she was going. I just pretty amazed. Um, it's amazing what they go through. Let me give you another verse in Matthew 9, 37. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest, truly, it's plentiful. It's plentiful. The harvest. Michigan Street, it's plentiful over there. Redbug Lake, it's plentiful. Those of you online, it's plentiful. In the atrium, it's plentiful. Christ said it was. It truly is plentiful. There are more people that will say yes to the gospel who don't know about the gospel. Christ said, but the laborers are few. There's seven point plus, round 7.7 billion, somewhere in there, people on the earth, most of which have never heard a clear gospel presentation. Does that mean that many of those people will die and spend eternity away from God because there were not enough laborers? And the answer appears to be yes. Wow. And then when somebody says, yes, I'll go to a place where they hardly hear and churches won't answer the, well, I shouldn't, they're a great church. I should, let me change that, all right? There are great churches. Uh, a, a few just are on the journey. They're not there yet, all right? Uh, good people who just don't know better, but they will because God loves them and will open their eyes just like he opened mine. So let me back up there just a little bit, all right? Now I don't know where I am. But anyway, um, and this gospel, the Bible says, of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. The gospel of Christ is setting, sitting up, setting up the return of Christ. Wow. Why do we give upwards of $2 million plus to missions? Because of people like Sam and Janie Stewart. Like Sam and his wife and children, they went to the mission field and while they were there, their son, Charlie, 12 years of age, died. And instead of coming home, they stayed there. And then around lunchtime, they would see little street kids coming up to the house. And somebody in the family came up with the idea, why don't we take what Charlie would have had for lunch and give it to them? And they started giving Charlie's lunch to the street kids. And more and more and more kids started coming. Eventually, that ministry expanded not only where they were, but other places to be feeding thousands of children and giving the gospel of Christ. Because God turned around a terrible event of a child dying on the mission field. Why do we give? Because of thousands of missionary families willing to obey the command of Christ, willing to obey God's command. 
How can we not give if we love God? Some years ago, I was talking to a person, young person, he just graduated college, I believe, and I knew him well, and so we had a good relationship, and so I tell you that before I tell you what I said. But sitting in the car that day talking, he says to me, I just love missions. And that was back when I looked at what everybody gave. I stopped that about 25 years ago. I couldn't handle it anymore. And so I saw what he had given, which was hardly anything. And he says, I just love missions. And I said, no, you don't. And he said, what? I said, no, I know what you give. And you don't love missions? Because if you love something, you will give to something. Um, now, I'm not usually like that. All right, so anyway, um, I could have said you love this and you love that. You love to eat, but you, 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 I don't know about missions, you know. I would never say that either. I don't think ever in my life I would ever say that. Probably not. The missionary is invading enemy territory. Um, Satan does not give up easily. He counterattacks many times in undreamed of ways. Years ago, I went on a trip to Thailand and into China and Hong Kong. There on this trip, the leader of the group said, we're going to bring the missionaries in a couple at a time and pray for them and ask them what their needs are. Up until this point in my life, I had mostly heard missionaries' great stories from the pulpit, stories of victory. And I, if I was a missionary overseas, I would probably do the same. But that night, I heard something different. I heard couples come in and say, we are under such demonic attack. Demonic spirits everywhere in that city. Um, idols everywhere in that city, and demons there attacking those trying to preach the gospel, attacking their marriage, attacking their health, attacking them in other ways, just an oppressiveness in the city. Missionaries, sometimes the lack of results, climate, unfamiliar food, language challenges, their marriage being attacked, their children being attacked. And yet, they keep going and preaching and sharing and overcoming obstacles. These are our heroes. The missionary can face all kinds of things, but they keep going. Sometimes when people do what missionaries do, they have others think, that's so crazy. What kind of nut are they that would go through all that and do all that? Well, help me save one more, God. This is about one more, one more, one more, one more. All of us are called to one more. Like maybe Ida, you were handed a card or should have when you walked in with a picture of someone they deserve to know. One more, Ida's one more that needs to hear the gospel that maybe no one has gotten to her yet.
maybe she doesn't even know about Christ, what he did for her. One more. One more. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thanks for joining with us in our pursuit of getting closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.